Welcome back, King of Kings family. We're so happy to have you with us today. Listen, there is a lot going on right now. Just in case you haven't heard, we've we finally had a little bit of movement in the country, and uh, there's some special things going on today. We were even able to prepare some opportunities for many of you to meet together to worship. So let me just start by greeting everybody. Uh, welcome all of you watching online today, Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, uh, all of our members in Jerusalem, and all of our friends around the country of Israel and around the world. We thank you so much. We had over 35 different countries watching last week, and that was live. We also welcome everybody watching on Archive, the thousands that watch on Archive. Every week we welcome you as well. But I mentioned about some of the movement in the country, and we have a little bit of, uh, of opportunity to meet together. So let me just welcome everybody watching uh, live in the pavilion today, those of you connecting in worship uh, in the uh, pavilion lobby also. The Summit is hosting some of our people as well. And of course, welcoming everybody watching right now in the Celebration Center. We welcome all of you. We have lots of options for everybody and where you're at in life right now because we understand each family has a unique situation that they have to deal with and um, elements that they need to consider in prayer. We love all of you. We support what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. We wanna be part of your journey. So we're happy you're joining us right now in uh, whatever way you're able to, whether it's online, whether you're live with us in the building, maybe you're watching from one of our rooms uh, and you're worshiping with other believers. That's the specialness of today. Again, just thank you so much to our media team and our production team for helping us put these things together over a year now in these uh, very unusual circumstances. And I hope you've already connected well in our worship today, our musical worship, the reading of the word, and we have lots of things going on in the community uh, this week. So stay posted. The regulations are still changing just about every week or two, and we'll do our best to communicate to everybody what the options are as we move forward. Today, we're going to conclude our series called Life Behind the Shield, and I've entitled today's message, The Believer's Playbook. I want to thank Pastor Wayne for last week's sermon where he called us to uh, in intensify our prayer life in these last days. We were called to use our giftings to serve other people, and there was really an encouragement from the King of Kings family. Uh, we have many opportunities for you to join with us in prayer, not only in our main services, on the We Pray uh, email address to send us your request, but in our community groups throughout the week. How about the summit where we pray on the top floor of the Jerusalem Cloud Building? Uh, maybe it's the Asian Prayer House. That's another one of our prayer houses we're developing. Beit Shalom Prayer House in the Arabic village of Abu Ghosh. We have a prayer house partner in Tel Aviv with Dugit Ministries and Adonai Roi Congregation. We're encouraged to pray in these last days. And since I mentioned Tel Aviv, let me just send a public uh, congratulations and mazal tov to Nate and Sarah Silverman, one of the Sarigim and King of Kings pastors uh, of, our, of our family network in Tel Aviv at Adonai Rawi. They just had their second child this week. Mazal tov and congratulations to you guys. Listen, go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me as we study the word today. First Peter, we're going to be in chapter 4 and chapter 5. So go ahead and put your finger there. First Peter chapter 4 and chapter five. And as you're turning there, let me just uh, get ahead of the curve and tell everybody uh, we're getting ready for our Passover season. Of course, we're now entering, uh, in just a day or two, we're entering the biblical new year. 
right? So if on March 27th is Nisan 14, 14 days from that Passover kickoff is the biblical new year. So I got to say it to you, Shana Tova, happy biblical new year to everyone. We're, we're happy we're in God's calendar in his cycles, and we're looking forward to a great year that'll be different than last year, of course. I don't think we're going back to anything remotely normal from the past, but we're called to pray more intensively moving forward, and let's get prepared for Passover in just a couple of weeks. First Peter chapter 4. Listen, the Apostle Peter will now summarize many of his lessons that he's been talking about throughout this whole book. He wants to tell us how to live and what to expect as a believer, as we walk through life. So let me pick up the reading, 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 12. Dear friends, he says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of the Messiah, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Yeshua, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a believer, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Strong words. He's giving us the playbook. What to expect in the life of a believer. So I first want to point you to the idea that suffering as a believer is not strange. It's not out of the ordinary. It's quite expected. It's part of the playbook. We shouldn't be ashamed about it. The Messiah suffered. The apostles suffered. The prophets suffered because of righteousness. So first of all, suffering for the Messiah, while it's not fun and we probably don't enjoy it, we should never look at it as being strange. It's part of the believer's playbook. Peter even says, hey, rejoice in this because you get to be like the Messiah. You get to be like the apostles who suffered for doing good. We never want to suffer for doing evil. You know, you don't want to uh, have a hardship brought upon your life because you've done something foolish. But when we stand for the Lord, for his kingdom, for his word, for his righteousness, and suffering and persecution comes our way, rejoice because we're getting to be like the Messiah in that way. We bear his name, if you will, when we suffer for righteousness. Same chapter. I want to turn your attention to a phrase that I think is going to challenge you a little bit because I know it challenged me. Same chapter, 1 Peter 4. Let's look at verse 19 for a second. He says, so then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Wow. I don't know about you, that verse challenged me. Suffer according to God's will. So here's a question. Can it ever be God's will that we suffer? Is it God's will that from time to time, a believer in Yeshua dedicated to his kingdom, a child of God, is it God's will that they might suffer? It's a tough question. I'll give you that. And the answer that we find in the scriptures is probably not the most popular answer in the world today. Because the world is really about selfishness. It's about seeking what is best for self. It is promoting number one above everyone else. And unfortunately, that has bled into 
the body of Messiah, where today's gospel is a, is a different gospel than it was in the generation behind us, where the, the original gospel from the Bible is, we are living a life of sin separated from God. We need a Savior who is spotless to die for us, to cleanse us, to pay a price for us. We commit to the Lord and we turn from unrighteousness, yielding our life, being willing to be molded into the image of Messiah. There's repentance, there's forgiveness, there's commitment, there's Holy Spirit, there's water immersion, as we talked about two weeks ago. Today's gospel that you might hear might be missing some of those pieces, so be careful. It is not an individual gospel we should be hearing. It is not a self-centered gospel. But unfortunately, the world has impacted the body of Messiah in some of these ways. And when we say phrases like, or we quote from the Bible, suffer according to God's will, it sounds very strange to today's generation that has grown up with a self-centered mentality. So the answer to that question, can it ever be God's will that we suffer? The answer may not be very, very popular in today's world. I'll give you some examples. I went online this week and I was looking up what are the most popular uh, books right now for believers. And as you would imagine, most of them are self-help books. They are get better at this and get better at that and help yourself here and find more joy, find more happiness, find more contentment. And that's fine to do all those things. Of course, we're not saying it's negative, but it was just interesting that you know, some of the, the more popular books right now are not about humbling yourself and yielding to the will of God and, and being available for the Lord to mold us and shape us and change us and test our character. Those are, those are not really big sellers right now, right? Because they're, they're not scratching that itch of, hey, make yourself feel better. So can it be God's will that, in fact, we might suffer from time to time? And then I went to uh, most popular books right now uh, outside of a believing world, just kind of in the general population and found some funny things. How to treat yourself well, how to accept yourself, how to seek happiness and put yourself first. And it just sounds exactly opposite of everything that the Bible teaches us. But of course, that's the way of the world. But the book that stood out for me, and I'm not at all supporting this book, I have not read it, but the title caught my attention and it was called Stop Having Problems. And I thought, there's a book I'm sure we would all love if we could stop having problems. But guys, can I tell you this? You won't. You'll never stop having problems. You'll never stop having challenges. So we're not gonna look for that as the goal. Rather, the goal is to let the Messiah work in us so that we respond correctly in righteousness and in power, led by the Holy Spirit, when challenges arise and when suffering is part of our journey. And I think that's what Peter's probably trying to tell us. There will be times in your life, of course, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking this over you as a blessing and prophesying it over you, hopefully, that you will be blessed, that you will prosper, that you will expand, that you will have favor. There will be times like that for you. But there might also be tough times, challenging times, times of testing, times of stretching. And Peter is encouraging us as believers, it is not strange. So don't get depressed. Don't get down. Don't let your trust for the Lord falter. It's not strange that you might suffer for doing good and suffer for the name of the Messiah. So what kind of suffering for the Messiah is appropriate? Well, of course, walking in obedience, going against the current of today's culture, trying to live out a righteous life empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can be intact, you can be insulted, persecuted, canceled, silenced, all of the things you know that are actually happening today. 
and let it serve as a sign to us, friends, that the things that happen to the world can still impact believers like Corona. Now, we've been protected. We've been healthy. Praise the Lord for his life behind the shield that we've been protected and prepared, but it still impacted us. We still felt the effects of Corona, and that's a certain measure of suffering that we've had to endure, some more than others, and our heart goes out to those that have lost loved ones, of course. So what is the answer? What are we supposed to do when we find ourselves in times like this? Well, Peter said it right there, chapter 4, verse 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator. Guys, this is a season of commitment, recommitment, elevated commitment, rootedness in your faithful creator, and do what? Continue to do good. You see, when you suffer for the Messiah, that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. He actually says, keep doing what you're doing. Sometimes it's a sign of that you are on the right track, that, that God is actually in your corner because you're a threat to the evil one and that may be why some of the attack is coming, the persecution, and we go, we go through this suffering, but we commit ourselves to the faithful creator and we continue to do good. That is the believer's instructions today. Now, when we turn from chapter four to chapter five in First Peter, Peter keeps encouraging us, hey, prepare for difficult times, but he turns his attention from the general population of believers to the leaders. He calls them elders. And I want to read the first four verses of chapter five. He says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and as a witness of the Messiah's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Peter first wants us to remember that our own Messiah suffered greatly. But Peter is also reminding us that he has suffered. You know, what gives Peter the authority to encourage us or correct us or give us a believer's playbook in the area of persecution because he witnessed it in the Messiah and he himself had gone through suffering. He has authority to speak on this because he's lived out the life faithfully. Have you ever been given advice from someone who has not been through or has not succeeded in the very area that they're trying to give you advice in, right? This could be very strange, somebody who doesn't have a very good marriage trying to give marriage counseling, somebody whose children don't obey them at all trying to give parental counseling, somebody who is not uh, put a lot of energy into physical health or being in shape and trying to be a trainer at the gym, a nutritionist who eats a very unhealthy diet. See, this would be very strange. A mechanic who is an expert on car repair but has no working cars in their family. You see, this would be a strange thing. But Peter is saying, I have the authority to speak to us, the listeners. I have authority to speak to you guys because I witnessed suffering and I went through it firsthand. That gives me the authority. So what do we do as leaders? We serve willingly. We care for people. We watch over them. We protect them. 
stay away from dishonest gain, do our best to be high-level servants, be an example to the community. He uses that word, be an example to the community. And that's what we try to do at King of Kings throughout not just King of Kings community Jerusalem, but we want to be an example to all of the congregations in the King of Kings family, all of the, the, the campuses and the pastors and the elders and the leaders. So I thought I might just take a moment to explain to everybody how our government leadership works in the King of Kings family, since we're talking to leaders. Well, we believe in accountability, multitude of counsel, and teamwork. And so there's an executive team that serves as spiritual fathers and overseers. Uh, we call that the executive team or the lead team. And we help all of the campuses, all of the pastors, and all of the eldership teams around Israel and around the world, all of our directors, all of the managers of our different uh, entities, we help them around the world with good advice, accountability, coaching, mentoring, encouragement, wisdom. And then on our local congregational locations, we believe in the plurality of elders with headship. What that means is we believe in a team of elders. Hopefully we have a minimum of three, but some congregations are still growing into their first eldership team and some have more than three elders and that's okay, whatever is appropriate. But we believe in a team of elders led by a head elder. Now, in today's language, we would call that head elder the pastor, okay? So I get to serve as your pastor and I get to serve with you guys on the executive team. And, but in each congregation, we have a pastor who is the head elder. We have a team of elders and then we have biblically qualified deacons as well as well as coordinators of different areas, of different outreaches, different classes, servants in the house. We ask everybody to serve, find a place to serve in your home congregation. Uh, you know, when we go and we connect as members, it's not a place where we watch. It's not entertainment. We don't consume the congregation. We serve in the congregation. And so that's really, I just wanted to take a side note moment to explain to us when Peter is addressing leadership, that's who he's addressing. And at King of Kings, now you understand how our government leadership works inside our congregation and our family of ministry. So we believe in a lead team, an apostolic type team who, who helps us to uh, all have healthy congregations. We believe in local eldership, local deacons, etc. But how do elders, in this case, like Peter is addressing, how do we example life in front of the people? How do we continue to do good and commit ourselves to the Messiah? And I want to move to our, our key phrase today. And that is, we live life by principles. The eldership of the congregation should live life by principles that, that are easily followable, that are easily biblically defendable. We, we don't want to live by moving standards, but by concrete principles of the Word of God. So a key phrase today how can elders be a good example to the people? We lead by living out principles because principles do not care about feelings, emotions, pressures, or changing trends. I'll read it again. Principles do not care about feelings, pressures, emotions, or changing trends, but rather principles are right, stable, and can be trusted. Listen, can I be the first one to acknowledge I'm not perfect, so far from perfect. Our leadership team is not perfect, but we are committed to grow all the time. We are committed to the faithful creator. We are committed to, to, to continue to do good, and we are committed to live a principled life in front of you, our congregation, 
that we might be a good example. Because this is what Yeshua did. Yeshua lived a righteous, holy life, obedient to the Father, faithful to the Word. But he also went through suffering without complaining, without blaming others, kept a great attitude, counted it all joy that he could suffer on our behalf. He, of course, is the ultimate example. We, as leaders, are just pointing you to him, right? We need to be good examples, but he is our example as well. So after Peter, and I'm back in 1 Peter chapter 5 now, after Peter addresses the elders among us, and after he addresses the general population that says, don't think it's strange that you might suffer for doing good, and hey, leaders and elders among the people, be a good example, live by principles. He turns his attention to the younger in the congregations. So if you are younger or you are a new believer, this next set of verses should touch you in a very unique way. So let's, let's read them, starting 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. There it is. He's telling the young believers among us, hey, you're gonna suffer too for doing good for the name of Yeshua, but it's not strange. And when you suffer, don't get depressed about it because the believers all over the world were all going through a certain measure of testing, stretching, persecution, attack, insult, sufferings of all kind. And it's not strange. It's part of the believer's playbook. What do you do? Well, we stay committed to the faithful creator, right? We continue to do good, and we do our best to humble ourselves. Now, one of my favorite things to do in Scripture, and the staff knows this, one of my favorite things to do when we study Scripture is to look at a famous verse that gets used a lot and try to help us remember the actual context that that verse was quoted in. So, one of the most famous verses you'll ever hear is, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. And we would want to use that verse often in lots of contexts. Sometimes we use it for our own advantage. God opposes the proud but shows favor or gives grace to the humble. But do you know the context of that? The actual lesson around it is he's asking young believers to submit themselves to their elders. Interesting. You don't want to lose sight of the actual context. He's just challenged the elders to be good examples. And then he's telling the young believers, hey, I've challenged them to be good examples. Now submit yourself to them. Humble yourself. Trust your leaders. Be humble. Seek humility. Find accountability. Because in that context, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's always interesting to remember the context for these famous verses. So young believers in our midst today, the world has told you, be your own person. Find your own way. Look out for number one. Be self-centered. It's all about you. 
You can't trust anyone. Don't listen to advice. Be your own person. Be your own boss. Be your own God, even. But Peter knows that's not a, that's not a life of health. That's not a life of prosperity. So he's encouraging the young believers, submit to the leaders that are in your life. God put them there to serve you. And yes, the leaders will be judged more harshly. We take that upon ourselves. we know. But to the young believers listening today, we try to be an example because we want to live out a life of principle because principles don't move. They don't change with the trends. They don't change with bad theology and today's popular messages around the world and through media. Principles of the word of God never change. Peter knows that the message of suffering is not going to be popular among the young believers, and it may even cause some stress and anxiety, and that's why he says, hey, young believers, we're all suffering for the Lord. It's not strange. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Cast your anxiety on the Lord. We're in this together. We are one family in the Messiah. And then he closes that phrase by saying, stand firm in the faith. That's another way of saying, live your life based on principles that don't move. You see, emotions are not firm. Changing trends are not firm. Pressures from the world are not firm. They're always moving. But stand firm, how? In biblical principles. And if it makes you feel bad, sometimes that's not our measuring stick. Suffering doesn't feel good, I know. Insults don't feel good, I agree but we're not moved by our feelings. We are firm in our principles. And that is really what Peter is trying to get the young believers in the audience to understand. The world is full of deceptions and lies, confusion, control, selfishness, pretty much everything opposite that the body of Messiah is called to be. The leaders of this world are living lives opposite of the call of God's leaders. They wanna have selfish gains, seek power, lord control over the people. And all of that is the opposite of what God is calling his people to do. And so as Peter makes a turn to close out this book, to close out the letter as a great apostle that he is, he's giving us the believer's playbook and he's gonna wrap it up with the final verse today. First Peter chapter five, verse 10, and we'll close the series with this. First Peter five, verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Messiah, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Peter is giving us the believer's playbook. Hey, stay committed to the faithful creator. Continue to do good. You will probably suffer because of righteousness. That's okay. It's not strange. Trust your leaders. They're going to Live as good examples in front of you with biblical principles. Submit yourself to them. Humble yourself that God may elevate you. Trust the community around you to help you along the way. But the playbook is stay faithful through the suffering because it is God himself who on the other side of it will restore you, make you strong, make you firm, and help you to be steadfast. This, friends, is the believer's playbook. If you've heard a different message, if you've heard a different gospel, if you had a different expectation of living life in the kingdom, other than this, then it doesn't seem to line up with the word of God. This is the believer's playbook. 
life of principle, committed to the Creator, continue to do good, expect some suffering, but God will restore you when it's all over. And I just thank the Lord for His words. So let me impart this to you in prayer as we close. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for giving us a playbook. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be blind wondering if we're doing the right thing. It is much easier to be faithful when we know how to measure spiritual success. And in some ways, that's what you've given us today in this book of 1 Peter. So thank you, Lord, for your word today. Holy Spirit, thank you for enlightening us and illuminating our path, empowering us every day to live life according to your word, changing us a little bit more every day into your image. We praise you today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Hallelujah. May the Holy Spirit work in your life powerfully. And listen, Happy New Year. Happy, biblical, God-given New Year to you. Let's turn our attention now to our preparations for Passover in just a few weeks. And um, stay posted. Stay connected with our MailChimp email. Stay connected with our social media. Stay connected with our community groups so that you can be up to date on the changing regulations because it's changing every week in Israel. But we're so happy that many of you were able to join us in worship in the Word together in person with other believers. It's a great day. Praise the Lord for that opportunity. And I close you with a quick reminder. You heard it on the announcements. The Israel Academy of Ministry, which is one of the ministries of King of Kings Network, has a class starting tomorrow, which is March 15 and 16, navigating social media. It can be a great tool, but there's a lot of dangerous things navigating social media, making it work for you. So join us. Go on to the Israel Academy of Ministry website. Register for the class. We'd love to have you and help you during these great times. Have a great week. Shavuot tov, everyone. Mazal tov. Uh, Shana tovah. Happy New Year. Be blessed.